If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn uh, and open it at this point to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we're going to be starting out by looking at verse 42 to 47. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. Follow along on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible with you. Here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this body. For these people who have gathered here today and for those who are watching online, Lord, we thank you that we can unite our hearts together around your word. Thank you that your word speaks to us, challenges us, convicts us, helps us to align ourselves with you, with your thoughts, with your desires, your intentions for us. And I pray that we would submit ourselves to it and to your authority that is found in it. I pray that you would guide us as we listen and we hear your voice through your word today. Amen. When I was uh, growing up on the the farm, as um, most of you I've heard, I've told this before, but I grew up on a farm um, in Saskatchewan near Swift Current, and we had, back way, 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 way back in the day, we had what we called, I don't actually know if we called it that then, but we uh, call it now anyways, peasant vision. If you know what I'm talking about, we had we had a TV, and uh, at first we had this big, massive, like console kind of TV, and it was it was pretty cool. Um, but it had it had kind of the rabbit ears, and then we had a, an antenna on our roof, and we would pick up two channels, right? The two channels, CBC and CTV. How many of you can remember this? This was these were the days that two channels. Seriously, I can't believe some of the, the, young, the young people. Okay, if you're under... Okay, no, I won't go there. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm amazed because, you know, every year I seem to get older. And uh, it moves farther and farther away. But we had this peasant vision, and I had a room in the upstairs. Once my sisters had moved out, I, I lived in the upstairs bedroom, as far away from my parents as I could get, I guess. I don't know if that was the reason. But uh, there, there, I would be right below this antenna on our roof, and it became very popular with some woodpeckers. Has that ever happened to you? Like, woodpeckers, and they would just be drilling on this antenna right above my head, and I would be like, ah! And I had to take matters into my own hands, but I won't get into that. Um, It was the farm, the farm life. But... um, that wasn't really a point. I just, you know, we, we had peasant vision and it was, it was staticky, right? It was, it was sometimes you had to adjust the, the rabbit ears so you'd be able to pick it up and it wasn't as clear as you wanted to be, but that was really all we knew, right? 
and that was the way life was. Now, of course, there's high-definition televisions, there's, whether it's 4K or Ultra 4K or 5K or 6, I don't even know where, where it's all at. How clear can you possibly make it? Um, but it's, it's pretty good, and we're kind of spoiled in that. When it comes to our, our faith and our, our Christian life and our experience, I wonder sometimes if, if we're really living peasant vision. Not exactly the clearest picture, the highest quality of what God intends for us. And you know, that might be you, it might be me at different times in our life where we're just, we're not fully experiencing that. And you might believe, you might have, have a, a notion of, of faith in your life. You may have an odd growth spurt, you know, here and there. But day-to-day living is not necessarily a spirit-filled experience. There's all kinds of reasons for that. Maybe there's, there's unconfessed or habitual sin in your life. Maybe you're, you've just grown kind of negligent in spiritual practices, the practices that help create habits that, that build spiritual muscles. Or maybe as we've been talking about in this series, you maybe have these stated values, but you haven't been living them. Now the passage that we read we just read, it shows the early church really experiencing God in what we could say is HD, in high definition. These verses are, are one of, of several summary statements that the, the author, Luke, pulls together throughout the book of Acts. It's a beautiful picture, right? It's a picture that we read and we go, oh, wouldn't it be great if, if our Christian community, if our church looked like that? Oftentimes when I hear people say, say that, I go, well, you got to read a little bit more. <laughs> read a little bit more in the Bible. Read some of the letters that the apostles wrote to the churches, and then you realize, huh, these churches were pretty messed up. There was issues. There was problems in the church. There was things that were, were not unifying. Lots of different things for that. So while we look at this and we say, oh, that was, that's beautiful, that's kind of a, a goal, it continually needed to be brought back to understand, okay, the values that we, we state we have to live. Now, in this picture, this is sort of following up on the days where Jesus had recently died on the cross, had rose again three days later, and appeared to his disciples, and we see the New Testament tells us that he appeared to over 500 people, resurrected, and actually lived among them, walked among them for 40 days. And I, I like to remind us as a church of this, because sometimes in our, our theological experience, we, we go to Easter, right? And we, we, we uh, focus Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday resurrected, and then, you know, we know that Jesus is no, not with us physically on this earth, so he ascended, and we kind of think he just resurrected, and boom, he's gone. But he actually was with them for 40 days. They saw him. They, they witnessed this and resurrected. And he taught them during those days of what was to come. And he told them to go to Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit to empower them. And we read this in Acts is that 120 of them at that time gathered together, received the Spirit. That early church was, was birthed. And we see shortly right after this text is that 
or right before this text, is that Peter, under just the compulsion of the Holy Spirit, he preaches this public sermon, calls people to repentance and faith, and it says, just the verse right before this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All right, pretty wild. But the verses that we read illustrate what life was like. A community of love was formed. These words express what was most important to them, the core values of the early church. And we see them here as teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And these values were not just stated, they were lived. This is how they lived this out. We see this. They witnessed the wonders of God, and you could read throughout the book of Acts to see what those were. It says they were together. They had everything in common. It wasn't just like they had the same interests. They liked the same movies. They liked everything. It was they had this everything that they owned was not something that was just their own. They shared it as others had need. They were generous. They were aware of the needs around them. They, they didn't have any government or, or social services. And so they provided for each other, with each other. They loved as they had been taught the way of Jesus. It says they met daily in the temple and in homes. They ate together this universal language of acceptance, and that continues to this day. Do you, do you, have you experienced that? When you have someone in your home, you share a meal, you go for coffee, you, this is something that says, I, I accept you, I'm listening to you, I care about you. There was warm community. They experienced joy, and the church grew in number. Now, in this series, as we've been talking about our values, our values, we would say, we, we need to see our values in line with this, right? And they run, we believe, parallel to these. You'll find the similarities and connection throughout. And so we've been talking about our mission from the beginning, and then last week on our first value. So our mission, I won't have you all say it again, but hopefully you'll, you'll learn it, we'll say it every time, but uh, you'll hear it every time. So out of a growing love for God... And compassion for others, our mission is to be and to make followers of Jesus. That's what we are about, most important. Now, last week we focused on the value of prayerful dependence. This was the statement we, we focused on. We depend on God for ourselves and others. Without him, we can do nothing. We express our dependency through prayer, trust, and spirit-filled living. Our lives center on him. So that was our first value we looked at. Today we're going to look at the next one, which is loving in community. Loving in community. And this is our statement for that. We value loving people just as Jesus did. Life transformation takes place in authentic community through grace-filled, caring relationships. It was kind of funny. We, when we went over this as a board of elders in the last couple of years, <clears throat> we... Um, recognize that there was a statement in there as far as authentic community, what it meant to be, be real. And the statement that was also tagged with this, it says, we cannot experience life change if we wear masks. <laughs> so we kind of scratch our head, well, we gotta, we'll eliminate that statement. 
but figuratively wearing a mask is, you know, you're not true to who you are, you're not authentic to yourself, but obviously through COVID, masks had different connotations, so we just kind of eliminated that. It says it enough, but we thought that was kind of like, hmm, can't experience life change if we wear masks. That's okay. We'll leave that one right there. All right, so there's a guy, uh, he's a psychiatrist, his name is Robert Waldinger, and he's a guy who leads the Harvest, the Harvard, Harvard Study of Adult Development, Harvard Study of Adult Development, and it is a research project that spans eight decades, he hasn't been around since the beginning, he's the fourth, fourth one uh, who leads this. But it is the longest, is believed to be the longest research project of, on human development that there, there ever has been, so over those eight decades. The same people, some are still actually alive, and then also it's turned to focus on, on their extended families. So now over 2,000 people are part of this study. <clears throat> and the thing about this is that this psychiatrist, he has put together a, a TED Talk on this, and it's one of the top 25 TED Talks that you, know, you, you read. If you Google top 25 TED Talks, um, if you don't know what TED Talks are, I don't want to explain it, but it's just, just really interesting things that people talk about and write about and, and on all kinds of topics. But it's one of the top 25, and his title of it is The Key to a Happy Life. You can see why it would be one of the top 25. People would be like, you know, Googling that. It's like, because we Google everything, right? That's going to have the answer, of course. How do I, how am I happy? Or how am I made to be happy? Anyways, this is his thing. And so what they identified as the key to happiness was, dun, 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 lots of money. No. Successful life business. You know what they discovered? The key to a happy life is warm connections with others. Warm connections with others, deep relationships, deep community. They have found that warm social connections make us physically healthier while loneliness is toxic and actually kills. Now, we are here as, as a group of believers in Jesus Christ, as a church. We realize that our life goal is not just to be happy, right? We live for a higher goal of glorifying God in all that we do in our lives. And often, as you probably have heard throughout the last number of series, it always seems to surface in some way, is that one of the ways that God often chooses to glorify himself and to teach us is through pain and suffering, We're called to joy. And joy is this, this deep inner sense of, of contentment that's found in Christ and Christ alone. If you remember the Hebrew word that we talked about last, last week, ach, right? Alone, truly, only, that's where joy is found despite our circumstances. And while joy is found in Christ, the overflow of this joy has to find tangible expression with other people. And that is true, and that's something that we see, and the value of that is seen throughout Scripture. Now, I did a survey the other day, 
that uh, 44 of you participated in. So, sorry if some of you couldn't uh, get the link to that, didn't work for you, but 44 responded. And so it wasn't an eight decade uh, survey, it was four days. And so, but uh, thank you to those uh, that responded. So you might be interested, these are the respond, the questions were, um, oh, I'll just kind of tell you the answers and you'll figure out what the questions were as part of it, I guess. Um, out of 44 responders, 56.8% said that you were more, you were a, an extrovert, more than an introvert, okay? And we, we gave a little defining thing. It was like, do, do other people, do they drain you or energize you? That might be one, you know, kind of a quantitative or whatever metric thing of, of saying, okay, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? Do people drain me or energize you? And I know there is a bunch of you that are kind of like me that some of you just like, I don't want to be labeled. Don't label me such a way. Um, or you just find one day might be different than others. Um, for some of you, you probably think, oh, Kimball, he's, you know, he's probably an extrovert. <laughs> no, <laughs> you drain me. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> is that too late to eliminate that from the, the live stream recording? No, I, but I mean, it's kind of both and. I, I feel purposeful. Um, I had some great opportunities to connect with some people this week and to pray with them and encourage them. And that, that does energize me and makes me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm being faithful to my calling, to my purpose, right? Um, but my natural intention, another thing I said was, well, if, if you feel like you had your way, if you could do whatever you wanted on a, a day off or an afternoon off, would you choose to spend that time with, with people or would you rather just kind of be on your own? I don't know. There's kind of ways, but you might find yourself sort of walking in both those. Anyways, it was interesting to learn that 56.8% uh, of these 44 uh, would say, yeah, we're, we're extroverts, Okay. 56.8%, uh, same, same numbers, interestingly enough, say that uh, you have just a few close friends, more than the 43% of you that say you have lots of surface relationship, lots of acquaintances, okay? Um, another one was uh, about loneliness, and the response says 9.1% uh, of these 44 experience loneliness daily, 22% weekly, and 20% monthly. And so we add those all up, it, it kind of adds up to over 50% experience loneliness at least monthly, right? And 20% of you said never, you know, you're never are lonely. 38.6% experience some form of social anxiety at church or at a church event. And I, and I think that's, uh, I, I kind of expected that. Uh, that's pretty high, right? Almost 40%. And, and social anxiety takes all different forms. Some of you, obviously, when we say, okay, turn around and, and meet someone, uh, you're, you're just like, <laughs> right? You, you want to crawl under the bench, and I, and I get that. Um, but there's, you know, a good number of you that, um, you know, say that that's, that's not your, your experience. Over 60% don't feel that. 75% say that you would have at least one person to call in the middle of the night if you were sick or sad. Okay, you'd have someone that you could reach out to, and 9% said that they did not have anyone um, that would come to mind at that time anyways, that they would call if they were sick or sad in the night, in the middle of the night. Interesting. Now, this research, the research study that I mentioned and our own survey, 
uh, gives strong indication that people are important, right? They're, they're needed in our lives. And we affirm this in our stated value. This is what brings about life transformation. When we are engaged in, in authentic community, authentic relationships with people, now, Scripture, of course, confirms this way before any research study or college drive survey. Familiar passage, but in Genesis 2, verse 18 to 20, the Lord says this, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. Now, I, I could imagine that some of you reading this, and you have a deep attachment to a pet would go, you know what, I like pets a lot better than people, right? Any of you, any of you brave enough to say that? No, okay, yeah. <laughs> and you go, well, I don't know what was the matter with you, Adam. There was all these great animals around you, right? And, and maybe you're thinking, man, I, I love my dog or my cat. Um, and when you come home from work or school or anywhere being out and that you hear the sounds of the animal, you know, coming to the door to meet you, attack you or whatever. Um, but, but it's just like that animal just loves you for you. And, and pets we know are very important in terms of, you know, helping dealing with anxiety and dealing with loneliness. And that's, that's good. Um, and we can learn a lot probably from, from pets in terms of their acceptance of, of you and people. They listen, right? They're there. But all in all, we would recognize, and I hope we'd come to this realization, that this doesn't fill up the need within us that God has created there for us to be known and to be loved by someone like us. And so the Bible says that God presented Adam with an incredible gift, and her name was Eve. And from that point, it only got better. He realized that he had a soulmate. He realized there was someone like him. And then you can imagine, possibly at this, the first family reunion, I don't know if they did it back then, but, uh, uh, you know, they're looking back, like, how did I make it? How did I, I survive? How did I live on my own when I was alone? And God recognized from the beginning of mankind that we would need to live in community. And we see this throughout Scripture, that it really emanates from the way that the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit function eternally in community with each other. That's the source. That's where we get this from, being made in the image of God. And so the word tells us very clearly it was not good for people to be alone. And this happened before they even were tempted and fell into, into sin. This was before that, that God realized there was a problem. He's alone, aloneness. Solomon discovered this as well, that we need each other. He says this in, in his book, Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Two people are better off than one. 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Pretty simple. (laughs) We're stronger when we're together. We're safer when we're together. We're warmer when we are together. Now, I know, recognize that these scriptures are often used at weddings, wedding ceremonies, and marriage between a man and a woman was and is God's gift and full intention. But we also see, and throughout scripture again, the realization of warm connections, deep community, is significant and it's part of the life of the church, the body of Christ. Now, most of you so far, you're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I probably get this. I, I can nod and agree with that. It makes good sense. And yet somehow, when it comes to our spiritual growth, we often attempt to isolate ourselves. And perhaps it's our culture, perhaps it's just various things we could point to, um, but our greatest strength comes when we're joined together. And yet building relationships with other believers and sharing our lives is something we neglect or we fear, or we try to to shut off for all kinds of reasons. Now listen, when we attempt to live life with other believers, without other believers, it's like we're experiencing peasant vision. It's not only a weak signal you're experiencing, but you're actually disconnecting yourself from what God intended. Now, in order to live out this value, it's going to require us to lean in to deeper relationships. And in that, it's going to require some trust. It's no doubt going to require grace. And it's also going to require going beyond the 10.30 until noon on a Sunday a couple times a month. It has to go deeper than that. I'm not sure who said it, but I've taken it on and and I, I believe it. That we grow as believers more in a circle than we do in a row. Now, you might say, well, I'm really perfectly comfortable here on this nice orange bench. But it's when you actually have some eye contact, when you actually can share things that are going on in your life, and you can hear what's going on in someone else's life, and you can pray together. That's when God stuff happens as well. That's why we prioritize life groups. Uh, Bible studies, we really encouraged this last week. Um, we had, there was 13 women that came for the Bible study, and probably more. They're going to fill this place soon, probably. Um, it's, it's just, that's a place for, for women right now to connect, and a lot of new, new women came, so I invite you to come. As much as we, we talk about leadership um, at our Exploring Leadership course that starts on Tuesday, um, another shameless plug, but um, right now, we've got about 11 people that are coming. I mean, that's really going to be a, really a life group. We're going to be sharing about our, our lives and, and learning and growing in leadership as well. But um, we provide service opportunities for you to get involved. When you, a crew of people go to the, the soup kitchen or, you know, or help out at the gulp, um, you, you serve together and you, you laugh together and you talk together. You, you grow as you do that. And of course, as a church, we, we try to prioritize as many events that circle or surround, you know, with food as we can. 
right? It's important. It's important to us. Uh, last week, we had about 35 people that met uh, in the fireside room that just are connected to our nursery, that are, are expecting to use the nursery in the next few months or just have kids that are in that age group. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch as people um, started to get to know each other and, and hear about their kids and that kind of thing. It's important. We grow as believers more in a circle than we do in a row. Now, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, living in isolation from others does not bring about joy that could be more fully experienced in your life. And it's not only a value, it's a command. And uh, we won't have time to go through all of these scriptures, but just highlighting these, there's so many one another's in the New Testament. <clears throat> and this talks about our relationship with each other. So we love one another. We receive one another. We have the same care for one another. Submit to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Forgive one another. Build up one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Serve one another. Show hospitality to one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. And tons more. And these one another imperatives, they give us a, a clear instruction as to, so how do we do this? How do we live out this value of loving in community? We do those things. Okay, a few takeaways today as we, uh, we kind of wrap up here. Um, first of all, this. Very important that we understand that our Christian community is bound up in, in Christ. Okay, we're, we're not just a, a social club. Uh, you know, that's so important. It's not like, you know, going to the YMCA or, or you know, make, you can make friendships there at the gym or on the golf course or in bowling league, whatever you do, those are good things to be a part of. So don't hear that. But Christian community and what brings about life transformation is fixed on the common unity that we have in Jesus. Jesus showed us the way. John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. We see that Jesus modeled sacrifice and servanthood. And these are really the key markers for real, authentic friendship. And so Christians are instructed to bear one another's burdens. And that's really, that's really based on what Jesus did for us. He bore the penalty of our greatest burden and the burden of the whole world which was sin. And this sacrificial act and our faith in Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is the core of what we gather this community around. So make sure you know that. This is what we're about. It's fixed on who Jesus is. Secondly, simple statement, but you know, you need others and others need you. Uh, when I was a youth pastor in Surrey, we had a, a growing youth group and kids were bringing friends and all kids were coming out everywhere. Um, you know, just like, what are we doing with all these people? So I, I took to our, our Christian kids um, and I asked them, I said, you know, take this on as a, as a challenge to, to get to know some of these new kids that are coming. And I'll never forget that the one of the kids said very clearly to me, she said, I have enough friends. I have enough friends. And I was just like, but that was, that was just a very obvious thing. I don't, I don't need to get to know them because I, I have the people that I need. You know, of the almost 60% of you who said that you have just a few friends, could I just encourage you, challenge you, could you make space for a couple more? Just a couple more. 
And of those who said you had a lot of surface friends or acquaintances, could I challenge you to, to take a step and go a little bit deeper with a couple of those? You need others. Others need you. You know, I'll say this. Last week I spoke a little bit to the parents uh, of kids about prayer, making sure you, you take time for prayer and that your kids are watching you and seeing that you are dependent on God. Today I want to challenge some of you that are a little bit older. Um, you know, we have this Young at Heart program that's, that's uh, going, and it's every, the first Thursday of every month. And I know it's 55 and, and up in that zone. I'd say this. As you get older, friendships sometimes get harder to come by. And many people experience deep loneliness in their later years. And so here's an opportunity. And let me tell you, there's good things that are happening there. Some of you are, are just, you look forward to that every month because you're sitting around a table talking to each other, sharing a meal and learning together. And so I just encourage you to, to go to that um, if you are able to and, uh, and realize. And same within your life groups. If you have a, a life group, you know that, um, again, as you get older, friendships sometimes just start to, you know, everyone gets kind of caught up in different things and you find all of a sudden that your key friendships, maybe you're absent. You need to lean into that. Third, it's kind of a, kind of a kitschy statement, but I, I think it fits, is that build bridges, not walls. Build bridges, not walls. Uh, chances are, uh, in a group this size, there's a lot of us here that perhaps have experienced some disappointment or some hurt from a church community. And as much as I can say this, uh, that we should be better, uh, we are human, and we're sinners that are saved by grace. Chances are you've disappointed or hurt someone as well. And when this happens, our, our instincts are to, to build walls around us instead of bridges. And out of hurt, we isolate or we just quit things. We cancel. It's, it's very much part of our culture as well today is just to, to cancel something. If someone said something or disagreed or, or shares a different um, thought than us, we just say, oh, yeah, we're done, done with you. Um, and in some cases, there's been real hurt, so not to at all disregard that. But listen, uh, that can take time. And if that's you, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're taking that, that step. Uh, one of the continual calls in the New Testament is for the church to forgive and to reconcile, to unify. And again, we do that around Jesus. So we close our statement again is this. We value loving people just as Jesus did. Life transformation takes place in authentic community through grace-filled, caring relationships. And I ask you that, first of all, do you, do you have that? Is that a part of your everyday life, is that you have authentic community? Do you have grace-filled, caring relationships in your life? And I invite you as well to help us as a church to see that grow. And so will you join us in embracing and living this value? Let's pray. God, these are things that, it's just kind of a natural thing we, we think about. We need people. And um, 
And yeah, we realize that we're, we're happier, we're more filled with joy in our lives too, and we have people around us that are, are caring about us and that we also have opportunities to serve and to care for. Uh, so these are things we know, um, but we need your power to, to live it. And so even if there's someone today that we meet or start to develop a friendship with, we pray that that would grow and that there would be a mutual encouragement in our faith that would happen, even as a result of something that happens today. Amen.